but Lagos they did something different. By virtue of tenancy law of um, 2011, it's made express provisions of some implied covenants. So, unlike under the PCL or and even CA states where covenant to parents is not implied, this is actually implied under the tenancy law. Welcome to the Fit and Proper Podcast by DigiLaw, your host, Keyukemi Ubi, and co-host, Ufoma Bapore. Hello, you're welcome to another wonderful episode of the Fit and Proper Podcast. I'm your host, Keyukemi Ubi, and today I am back with Ufoma and Jimmy for the concluding discussion on leases. In the previous discussion, um, that's an introduction to leases. We talked about OAMBEs and giving your child out, constituting as a money's worth. I'm sure you really love to listen to it. You should go listen to it. Um, it will be worth it. So today we will be talking about covenants in leases and how to draft leases. And we'll also talk about some things you should watch out for in bar finals for the Nigerian law school students. So, um, for my, how are you doing? How are you feeling? I'm fine. Can you hear me? How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Juni, how does it feel to be back? <laughs> uh, it feels great. I'm actually quite grateful that you guys you know, welcome me here a second time. So thank you very much. <laughs> welcome, Duni. Thank you. So let's get the show on the road. So, Duni, in a standard lease, what types of covenants um, would we find? Now, what is the rationale for the inclusion of a covenant in a lease? So, uh, first of all, it's important for me to explain what a covenant is. A covenant is basically a, a term or a condition that governs the relationship between parties to a lease. So, it's a promise or an undertaking to do or not to do some acts. The rationale behind the inclusion of covenants in a lease is to place binding obligations on both parties for the smooth running of the you know, lessor-lessee relationship and also to protect the interests of the parties. We have three major types of covenants, express covenants, implied covenants, and usual covenants. Express covenants are covenants that are included in the lease agreements by definite agreements between the parties. So the parties negotiate and state that, okay, let's include this covenant or that covenant. While implied covenants are covenants that are um, enforced by law, even where they are not expressly included, in a lease agreement. They, they are usually inferred from the lessor-lessee relationship. For instance, we know that one of the hallmarks of a lease is exclusive possession. So that means one of the implied covenants is that the landlord or the lessor has to ensure quiet and peaceable enjoyment. We also okay. know that because the because the landlord or the lessor has reversionary interest, then the tenant has a covenant, an implied covenant to use the premises in a tenant-like manner. Finally, we have the usual covenants. These are covenants that are proper or common. They're actually included in these agreements. So we know that covenants pay rent. This is common. There is hardly any lease that you won't see rent. Rent, I won't, uh, right, that you won't see rent. In. So we have the covenant to pay rent, mm-hmm. covenant to maintain and deliver property in a good state of repair. This is an example of usual covenants. Okay, so um, Duni, you basically like giving us 
some examples of implied or scenarios of implied and visual covenants. But talking about express covenants now, what types of covenants can we say are express or what covenants are included in a contract and are known as express covenants? Actually, most times, express covenants are a combination of both usual and implied covenants. So they are not drastically different. The difference is just that the parties will agree on the terms. So one example is covenant to parents. This is generally not implied. So the parties have to agree on um, on the rent to be paid. And usually, goes thus, the lessee covenant to the lessor to pay the rent reserved in the lease at the time and in the manner prescribed. Then we also have user covenant or covenant on use. This um, basically defines the use to which the property will be put. Now, it's important to expressly include this because if you don't, the tenant or the lessee can use the demise um, premises for any purpose at all, so long as it is um, lawful. The problem with this is that it may lead to quick um, depreciation of the property or um, it can cause um, a nuisance. For example, if the demise property now is in a residential estate and there is no express covenant that states that the property should be used for residential purposes only, the, the tenants can use it for commercial purposes. Okay. So a lot of people will not be, you know, going there to buy stuff or to do something and it may cause noise. It may constitute nuisance to neighbors. So, um, it's important to expressly state what you use um, the property to put to. So it usually goes does the lessee covenants to make use of the premises and to permit the premises to be used for commercial purposes only or it can read residential purposes only, whatever the parties agree on. Then we also have a covenant to pay rates, taxes, and outgoings. These are basically bills uh, incurred on the demise properties like um, PHCN bills, water bills, and all of that. So in the absence of, um, this is also not implied in every jurisdiction. So in the absence of these laws, it could be paid by the tenant or the landlord, depending on you know, the agreement. So in practice, the tenant pays um, recurring rates, like Nepal Builder is monthly, or the landlord may, may pay non-recurring rates. So the parties are to agree on who will pay what. And um, it's also a standard um, covenant pay rates or taxes usually covers not just rates that are on the property at the present time, but also future rates and future taxes. So the standard clause is basically um, the lessee or the tenant covenants to pay rates and taxes, duties and outgoings now or as may be subsequently imposed on the property, whether payable by the landlord or not. We also have yeah, covenant to repair. This is also an important express covenant because it uh, ensures that the demise property is maintained in a good condition. And once again, the parties can agree on who will bear the obligation. If it's a long-term lease, it's usually advisable that the landlord or the lessor be responsible for structural or external repairs like roof and all of that, while the lessee or the tenant will be responsible for internal repairs. There's also a standard way to draft this covenant. A standard way is to ensure that it makes provision for the landlord to enter at reasonable times to view the state of repair. And it should also make oh. allowance for the fact that the property can suffer like reasonable wear or tear. It's not possible that the way the way the property was when it was leased out a year ago is how it will be, you know, maybe two years. So you have to make allowance for reasonable wear and tear. And um, the standard clause basically does say the tenant covenants to keep 
and maintain the premises in a good state of repair, reasonable wear and tear exempted or exempted, and to permit the landlord to enter at reasonable times to view the state of repair and to deliver of the premises in good and substantial repair condition. This covenant is also important to protect the value of the property and to also make it fit for habitation by the tenants. Then we have a covenant to insure. This basically provides for insuring the property against damage of any kind, natural disasters, or any man-made disaster. So it also favors both parties in that it protects the rationary interest of the lessor or landlord and also the possessory interest of the lessee or tenant. So the covenant has uh, five basic elements. So the first is who is to insure. Second is the risk to be insured. It should be expressly stated what kind of risk is envisaged. Flood, fire, earthquake, or any, any kind of um, damage that you can think of. Then the amount of the insurance cover, the application of the insurance money in the event of damage, and the name of the insurance company. Because of the, because this covenant is um, long, they don't ask, they don't ask it often. But if you know the elements, they can ask the elements. Still in the draft, but oh. not the elements, yeah. Then another key another key element here is the factors to consider when determining who to insure between the uh, landlord and the tenant. So you can uh, consider the nature of the property. Where the property is such that um, only the tenant is in occupation. Let's say it's a three-bedroom apartment, only the tenant is in occupation then it's advisable that the tenant or the lessee should insure it. But if it's, uh, let's say it's a twin duplex and the landlord is on one side and the tenant is on the other side, then it's, it's more reasonable for the lessor, the landlord, to insure the property. You can make sure that the, um, the insurance policy is in good terms. Then we also have existing obligations. If there's a charge or mortgage on that property, and that, that means the landlord already has has an existing obligation to insure it, so we should insure it. Then the, the, the use that the property should be put to is also another factor to consider, as well as other provisions in the lease. Then we have covenants against um, assignments and subletting. This is also necessary in order to protect the rationary interest of the lessor. So basically states that the tenant or the lessee should not assign his interest in that property or create a sublease in favor of a third party, although it can be allowed based on certain conditions. So it usually comes in three forms. We have the um, absolute prohibition. In this instance, the, there's an absolute bar on assigning interest or placing a service in favor of a third party. And basically says that the lessee or the tenant covenant not to assign, sublet, charge, or otherwise part its possession of the demise premises or any part of it. So that's uh, absolute. But because this is harsh, there's also what we call a qualified prohibition. So this allows for tenants or lessees to seek or obtain the consent of the landlord before assigning or subletting. So in such an instance, it to read something like lessee or the tenant covenant not to assign, sublet, charge, or part with possession of the premises or any part of it without the written consent of the landlord first had and obtained. This is a qualified prohibition. But the standard clause in law school, and even generally, say the ideal clause is, is yeah, it's called an ideal clause because just simply saying that consent should be obtained is still too subjective 
the, the the landlord can refuse consent. He can just say, I'm not giving my consent. And it will not favor tenants. So the ideal clause ensures a balance between the com- uh, competing interests of the parties. And it provides that the landlord or the lessor should not withhold consent where the third party is a reasonable or respectable person. So it goes the tenant or the lessee covenants not to assign, sublet, charge, or otherwise part possession of the demise premises or any part of it without the consent or without the written consent of the landlord first had and obtained such consent not to be unreasonably withheld in the case of a responsible for a respectable person. So um these are these are the major there are, there are other ones, but these are the major um express covenants in the lease I should take note of. Oh, seems like there's a lot of attention or um yes, there's a lot of paying attention to details that has to go in when drafting this yes. covenant, especially express covenant. Because yes. um we can see that in certain situations if they are not properly drafted or expressly included, something may happen. So I think we should just ask what happens where there is a failure to include this um, standard express covenant. This covenant is supposed to be there, but for some reason, um, as maybe as a solicitor, you ignored it or just omitted putting in this covenant in the agreement between the lesser and the lesser. What would be the outcome of such omission? Okay. So where covenants are not expressly included in the lease agreement and those covenants then are not implied by law, it basically means that the parties are not bound by certain obligations. So and you know that where there's an obligation, there's a right. So if there is no obligation on one part, then the other party does not have a right to enforce, which means that a a, a party to a lease, maybe a lessor, a lessee, can go ahead to do certain detrimental acts and he will not incur any liability because it was not expressly provided for in the lease. Meanwhile, the other party who is suffering as a result of that act, it has no remedy. Let me give an example. Where there is no covenant against assignment or sublet, the tenant can sublet to any person. He may end up subletting yeah. to maybe someone involved in some illegal activities or so, like someone that is not um, respectable in society. And that person can use this property anyhow, which could mm. result in depreciation of that property. Now, uh, because because yeah. this covenant was yeah. not expressly, yeah, because this covenant was not expressly included, the landlord cannot bring an action for for future or seeking damages because he has no right. It was not expressly uh, included in the agreement. So where this hap- where, where there's failure to include some standard covenant, it may it may be to the detriment of the party and they won't have any remedy. Wow. So I think it takes us back to knowing that we must be very careful when drafting these agreements when including covenants because there are yeah. peculiarities that um are involved in doing so. Thank you. Okay, so Juni, since our focus for property law practice is um, CA states, GCL states, and Lagos, can you enlighten us on any differences in positions on covenants between both jurisdictions? Okay, so like I said earlier, um, there are some covenants that are implied by law where they are not expressly stated, while there are some that are not implied, so they have to be expressly stated. Now, under the PCL and 
and under the covenancing act there are certain covenants that are not implied and they should be expressly agreed on but lagos they did something different the virtual tenancy law of um 2011 it's made express provisions of some implied covenants so unlike under the pcl or and even ca states where covenant appearance is not implied this is actually implied under the tenancy law so um section 7 provides for implied covenant for the tenants and it states that where there there's no argument to the contrary then the tenant as a covenant parent, covenant against assignment and subletting without the consent of the landlord, covenant to keep the premises in good and tenantable repair, reasonable way and say accepted, then covenant to pay all existing and future rates and charges not payable by the landlord by law. So basically, some of these things that, that we discussed as express, some of these covenants that we discussed as express covenants are actually implied in mm. Lagos state, such that even if they are not expressly included in an agreement, the courts will still enforce it. Section 8, on the other hand, provides for implied covenants for the landlord, such as a covenant to pay rates and charges stipulated at law, covenant to the premises insured against loss or damage. Covenant not to disturb tenants' quiet and peaceable enjoyment of premises in covenant to effect repairs and maintain the external and common parts of the premises. So this is uh, the major difference between Lagos and the other jurisdictions. Why Why is Lagos? Why are their things always different? <laughs> yeah, they are progressing. Now we have to pay attention to, oh, this is Lagos. Yes, actually, actually. This is, this is how it is in Lagos. This is how it is in other states and so we always have to know the difference. It's Lagos now, I mean, it's Lagos. Okay, so Duny, so we're going to like uh, do a little bit of role play. Um, I, I'm just, let's just say I'm a client and there are some questions you need to ask me that will give you the necessary information requires for preparing a list. So can we um, know those questions? Alright, I'll ask you the particulars of the lesser and the lessee, basically names and addresses then the property being demised like a detailed des- description the address the seal of all details on the survey plan and uh, which parts of the premises are being demised then the commencement date of the lease the duration of the lease like how many years i'll ask you how the rent the rent payable how much rent are you charging on the property and um, the method of payment whether you want to be paid in advance or in arrears then i'll ask about the covenants that you that you you and the lessee have, have agreed to expressly include in the lease. So covenants will be performed by the lessee, covenants will be performed by the lessor. And um, I'll, I'll ask on some of those express covenants, I'll, I'll ask who is going to bear the obligation. For example, which party is going to insure the property and um, details on the insurance policy. I'll ask which party is going to be responsible for paying rates and taxes or repairing keeping the property in a good state of repair. Then rent review clause as well. I'll ask about the rent review clause, like how structured, whether there is a provision for renewal of the lease, provision for um, for future and re-entry. Then I'll, I'll, I'll also ask um, the names of the witnesses to attest the agreement. So these are some of the um, questions I'll ask. So, Duny, so far I've been enjoying this. Now I understand, I know that before drafting a lease agreement, these are the things that I should get from 
my clients, the information I should get from my clients so that I can give my clients a proper lease agreement. And yeah. every other thing we've been saying earlier on will be covered in the agreement. So what if I want my, okay, we finally have the agreements, we put in all the covenants, everything, everything, the lease has begun, and then I want to end it. I don't want that transaction anymore. How can I put an end to it? So basically I'm asking, how can a lease be determined? Okay, a lease can be determined in several ways. First of all, we have um, lapse of time. This is basically when the term of years that is stipulated in the lease agreement comes to an end. So for example, if you say that the lease is for a term of two years and the two years come to an end, then that lease is automatically determined. So um, exclusion or, or lapse of time. Oh, okay. Then we have... So, so I can add a duration. I can add a duration to the agreement that this is how long definitely, it to last and no renewal. Definitely. Definitely. You have to. Is That's what is in <laughs> Abandon. That's what is the abandon. We also include the term okay. of years. Then, um, if it's a, it can also be um, determined by way of a notice to quit. Yeah, this is where the landlord or the lessor wants to bring the uh, lease relationship to an end before the expiration dates. Maybe because the uh, what many Nigerians known as quick <laughs> notice. Yeah. <laughs> Ideally, it's used <laughs> when maybe there's a breach of covenant or the um, tenant is in areas of payment or for whatever reason. But yeah, a notice would be oh, okay. you still do this under civil litigation. There's some statutory steps to follow. Then we also have forfeiture. This is applicable where there's a proviso for forfeiture and reentry. Basically, it also provides that if if the um, tenant commits a which of covenant or maybe even becomes bankrupt, then the lease, the landlord or lessor has the right to re-enter the property and to automatically amount to a forfeiture. Oh. Then we also have a merger. Oh. This is where the the possessive interest of tenant merges with the rationary interest of the landlord. So basically, Ufama let out a three-bedroom apartment to me for for like three years. And let's say in the second year, Ufama now came and said, you know what, I want to I want to sell this property. And so it's, let's say, it translates from a lease to an assignment, something like that. So in that case, yeah, it's a oh. major. Yeah, so you, before I was a tenant, but now you have sold it to me. So the relationship oh. has come to an end in the sense that, yeah, yeah, it's supposed that's a major. Then we also have a um, surrender. This is where the tenant or the lessee just gives up his possessory right for whatever reason. Maybe he's leaving the country, like goes visa to Canada. <laughs> so oh, yeah. he does vacate. He does vacate possession of the premises. Just left like that, even before the um, term expired. Yeah, that's that's surrender. That's a yeah, that's surrender. Then we also have disclaimer. Yeah. This one is rare, but uh, at least according to the books, it's, it's a, a way of determining the lease. So it's basically where the tenant sets up an adverse claim against the landlord, basically saying that maybe somehow, somehow, you found out that the property is your own. <laughs> I don't know how that plays out in real life, Sha, but let's just say somehow, somehow, you found out that the property is your own. So um, you are setting up an adverse claim against the landlord that's a that's a disclaimer 
then finally we have frustration similar to frustration under the law of contract generally this is not actually a way of determining this because even where there are events acts of God that would ordinarily um, bring babies to an end this will still continue to run okay all right so um Right now, Dune, can you um like tell us about parts of a lease and how to draft a lease? Like I know you've mentioned it in the questions and all, but just tell us parts of the lease and how to draft it. Uh, we have an introductory part which basically consists of commencement date, parties and recital. If you remember deed under I think that should be week two under deed, the yeah, parts of a deed, the provisions are actually very similar. The parts just minor differences. When it comes down to a lease. So first you have the commencement. So this could read this deed of lease or this lease. Or if it's a tenancy, which um, I explained is three years and below. You can say this tenancy agreement since it doesn't have to be by deed. Then the date. So this lease made this dash day of dash 2020. They state the parties between the new and new of put my address. <laughs> then in bracket the lesser of the one part and let's say it's a company dash Alibaba Nigeria PLC a company okay. registered under the companies and allied matters are okay. twenty four. this registered address at dash then in bracket the lessee of the other parts then recital recital is not essential in a lease but it could be useful in a sublease so i won't um, give you a sample of that then we have the test okay. which is basically where the oppressive part begins so this goes whereby the lessor agrees to demise to the lessee or you can say it is agreed as follows the lessor demises oh, okay. to the lessee Mm-hmm. That's how the testatum goes. The next part is the parcel clause. This basically describes the property. You say all that property or all that two-story building known as or situate at let's use let's use to use uh, address to Lagos Lane, <laughs> Lagos. <laughs> <laughs> Are covered by the CFO, blah blah blah. You can give, you can give, you just describe it adequately. Yeah. Or you can say more appropriately described or more extensively described in survey plan and schedule or whatever. Then we have um, habendum. This describes the quantum of interest that is being divested or is being given to the lessee or the tenant. They say to hold on to the lessee for the term of, is it for the term of seven years? Commencing on dash and ending on dash. You know, we stated earlier that a lease must have a commencement date. Certainty of terms, if you remember that. So that's where it plays in. The terms must be set in the duration, the commencement date, and the expiration date. And we have the redendum, also known as the rent clause. This one provides for rent. This one is not in the car deed. Only deed of lease has redendum. So it goes um, yielding and paying yearly or annually during the term. The sum of, you can put the amount, sum of maybe 300,000 uh, you can say clear award deductions, the first payments you made in advance, blah blah blah. Okay. Basically, just put all the details about payment. And then um, the rent review clause is actually usually included here or in the schedule. So, if you want to include this in the redundant, after you know putting out the reading and paying, you can now insert the rent review clause. And after this redundant, you now have the covenant and provisos. So, all those covenants that we discussed earlier, they'll come um, after the redundant. So you can say the lesser covenant as follows, and then you list the covenant. 
We also have provisos. I didn't talk about that earlier, but in the major provisos we have, I'll just discuss it briefly now, options to renew. This is this is an important proviso. Basically allows for the renewal of the of the lease by the tenant. This is one very important clause that you should not mix up with rent review clause. Rent review clause allows for the review of the rent, right? I mean like the name implies. But option to renew is to renew the lease. So let's say the lease is for three years. You want another three years after the expiration of the first three years but before that three years uh, expires this clause will allow you to make to inform your landlord or inform the lessee that you'd like to raise another lease on similar terms or on review terms so it should be expressly included uh, in the lease agreements and the clause contains four basic elements the time within which the application is to be made so it can be three months before the expiration of the current term in the manner of the exercise that is how do you make the application it should be in writing then the condition precedent to be fulfilled before exercising this option or the lessee must not have breached the covenant in the lease and he must have paid rent someone that is in areas of rent cannot come and say he wants to renew <laughs> yeah like wouldn't you say please <laughs> So, <laughs> yes, and then they should, they should state the, the term of the new lease. So, you must be careful when drafting this option to renew so that you don't end up creating a perpetually renewable lease. It should be stated in such a way that this new lease that we're going to create will still be subject to covenant and terms to be agreed on by the lessor and mm-hmm. that the rent to be reviewed because if you don't catch it that way, it end up being only at that same, the same rent that you were using three years ago. It still be the same we must state in such a way that the option to renew does not cover the rent, um, the rent clause or the rent review clause. Another proviso is for future or reentry. This basically leads to, like I mentioned earlier, this is a way of terminating the lease where rent has not been paid or covenants have been breached. So it brings the lease to an end earlier than the expiration date. So yeah, provided this is mm-hmm. that provided always that if the tenant commits a breach of any covenants or conditions in the lease or becomes bankrupt, it shall be lawful for the lessor to re-enter the premises and immediately the terms shall absolutely and determine. So yeah, anyway, this, this should be expressly stated. So I'll move back to our draft. So after the covenants and provisos, we now have the testimonium. This connects the creative part with the um, execution clause. So it says, in witness of which the parties have set their hand and seals the day and year first above written. Me, I didn't like this one because it was just hard. So what I used to use is in witness of which the parties have executed this deed in the manner below the day and year first above written. So anyone then you have the execution and attestation clause. It's a deed. Obviously, you use them um, signed, sealed, and delivered. So signed and delivered by the within named lessor dash in the presence of this is the attestation clause in the presence of name, address, occupation, mm-hmm. and signature of the witnesses we need to be put there. Then since I used a company earlier in the introductory parts. I'll use a company here. So he said the common seal of Alibaba Company Limited is or PLC is hereby affixed to this lease and duly delivered in the presence of director and secretary. You put you put a line basically for for their signature to be affixed. So they they are the yeah witnesses to this. So yeah, that's basically it's actually quite simple. Okay, all right. Then so what are the ethical issues that may arise in a lease transaction? Because obviously there are always ethical mm-hmm. issues. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well. So 
solicitor has the duty to comply with the instructions that are given. If the landlord tells you that the rent should be 300,000, you're not going to put 150,000 there. You should comply with the instructions. This falls under Rule 14, which provides for dedication and devotion to the cost of the client. Make sure that he complies with every instruction that's given to him. And you must show competence when drafting the lease agreements. You must make sure that the clauses are standard, not just something that he copied from a template or a precedent book. You must be competent, make sure that it's tailored to the needs and instructions of the clients. Then also has a duty not to mix the, the monies or the rent paid by the client with his own money or not to use it for his own purposes, which is a thing through 23 sub 2 of the um, RPC. Then and she, uh, she not frank a document that he didn't prepare. So not the one that the client will appear when argument as uh, you no know, comes to you and says, "Does help? Does help me frank your name and put your stamp and seal there?" That's unethical and it's prohibited by law. Those are the major ethical issues on that lease agreement. Alright, um, going forward for the purpose of by exams, because we always have to ask by exams. Are there is there anything peculiar that we should take note of under this topic? I think in in the course of our discussion, I think I already mentioned on some of them but i'll go over it again definitely learn your draft and um yeah the draft of each covenant first of all covenant and provisos and not just any draft but like the standard clauses so there there, there have been years past questions where they'll give you a draft and say we draft this covenant in a standard form or there have been years we are just told to draft generally so you should know standard ways of drafting you should also take note of Lagos tenancy law because i mean i think sometimes they ask there was a year where they, I think one particular covenant was not included and then they asked that what, I can't remember how they put it, but basically like what, maybe what was the remedy and that, that place was Lagos. So it was covenant against assignment or subletting if I'm not mistaken. And we, we've seen that it's implied by law. So yeah. even where, yeah, so you should yeah. take that issue under Lagos tenancy law. The fact that some of these covenants are implied under Lagos tenancy law. How to draft the parts of a lease. They may not tell you to draft the whole, they can say draft the addendum or draft the habendum or draft the introductory parts. I remember doing an exam, I did a lot of drafting of execution and attestation clause. <laughs> you should um, take note of certain issues. I'm sure you'd have done this under deed, but take note of the parties involved. So you know that where it's a company, you have to use common steel. You know that uh, where it's an illiterate, there has to be an illiterate jurat in the execution and attestation clause. Where it's by virtue of power of attorney, you need to state it there that it's by virtue of a um, local power of attorney on the blah 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 and registered in the land registry take note of all these details while you are while you are drafting these clauses so learn the whole thing even though they won't you never know what they'll ask so it's important that you know how to draft all of these parts then definitely you should know the information that you should um, elicit from a client in the course of drafting a lease all right, Tony. Thank you very much. And thank you, Informa, for joining us today. It's been a delight, as always, thank having you, you guys. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So, and um, to our wonderful listeners, 
We concluded on leases today, and we'll be moving on to other topics in property law practice. Please fill our feedback forms and let us know the topics you would like us to address. Also, feel free to reach out to us through our social media pages if you have questions or suggestions on Twitter and Instagram. We are at DigilawNG. We hope you've had a great time. Till we meet again, I remain your host, Kay Kenny Ubi. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. And that's all for today's episode of the Fit and Proper Podcast, a DigiLaw production. For more about DigiLaw, you can check out our website at www.digilaw.com.ng. Follow us on social media. On LinkedIn, we are at DGL Africa. On Twitter and Instagram, we are at DigiLawNG. The Fit and Proper Podcast was hosted by Kemi Ubi and Ufoma Bakpore. The scriptwriter is Kemi Ubi. Production and editing is by Akin Ifain Agumbiade, while voiceover is by Fashion Adibi. Until we meet again, stay fit and stay proper. <laughs>